Flip to Freedom, episode number 19. Hello again, this is Sean Terry from the Flip to Freedom podcast. I'd like to welcome you to episode number 19. And I am here to help you escape the 9 to 5 and live the lifestyle of your dreams by learning how you can make an absolute fortune flipping properties in your spare time, even if you're brand new, you're just getting started today, and you have no cash, no credit, no experience. And the great thing about this is you can work this around your job. Now, what does that exactly mean? What is flipping properties? I have uh, people that ask me that question. And flipping properties with no cash and no credit, is this possible? Well, yes, it is. And uh, we're doing it every single day. And here is the uh, boiled down simplistic process uh, for flipping properties with no cash, no credit, no experience. And you can work around your job. It's as simple as... Uh, finding a motivated seller, getting a property at a discount, and you sign a contract with that motivated seller. Now, that could be a short sale. It could be an REO. It could be a, uh, a just a straight motivated seller, maybe who inherited a property. Um, maybe they came off um, uh, a sign that was placed out. But the bottom line is, is that sign a contract with a motivated seller for one price. Let's say that price is $50,000. And then on that contract, there will be a closing date. It's typically 30 days. Now, within those 30 days, you then sign a contract with a cash buyer. And that cash buyer will buy the property with no inspection period. They'll put hard money down, $2,500, $3,000. Um, and they'll sign a contract with you at a higher price. Let's call that $60,000. Now, what you do now is you have a buy side contract with the seller for 50. You have a sell side contract with the seller or with the actual buyer at 60,000. And now you take both of those contracts and you bring it to a closing agent, an escrow officer, an attorney, whatever your state has. You would bring those two contracts to them and you would instruct them to do a simultaneous close or a double escrow. That is would result in the buyer funding the 60000 of which 10000 goes to you and 50000 goes to the seller. All this is done within a week to two weeks prior to your closing date. And literally, what money did you have invested? Well, you might have put down earnest money on the contract, but most of the time I don't. Um, and that's it. And you bring uh, the contract. The buyer will pay all the closing cost that's uh, that is uh, resulted in in the closing, that the title fees and stuff. So your net net at the end would be the ten thousand dollar differential between the fifty thousand dollar price and the sixty thousand dollar price. That is the the simplest boiled down form of flipping properties in your spare time, even if you have no cash, no credit, or no experience. It doesn't take funding. It doesn't. You don't have to be brilliant. Um, it just is marketing and knowing what to do and what to say and how to do it. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about showing you how to basically market for buyers, negotiate and get the contract, what to put in the contract. Um, how to market for sellers, how to negotiate, I mean, how to market for buyers, how to negotiate with buyers and what to do with the contract and how to get it to the uh, escrow officer and get the property closed so you can get your check. That is the basis of this um, 
this podcast. Now, what we have today, as I've been promising you, is an interview with a gentleman by the name of H.L. Buster Quist, and he is a real estate um, prognosticator, and he has it has he's a visionary, an unbelievable visionary. And and why I wanted to bring this to you today was uh, so because there's so many people that are fearful in the market; they are afraid of you know the real estate market, and they're sitting on the sidelines, or maybe they're maybe they're working a job and 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 they want to get out of their job, but they don't know exactly what. Uh, vehicle they want to use to get out of it or just to bring in some extra income. Well, I mean, what if you could bring in and you, let's say you do two deals a year this way and you make an extra $20,000 this year. I mean, what's it going to take in your current job to make an extra $20,000? Would that make a difference in your life? Well, I'm sure it would, but you know, there are people that are fearful in this market, and I want to have someone, the best person I know, that could give you a perspective on this real estate market, why we're in the, uh, why we're in the situation we're in, comparing it to previous mar uh, uh, real estate uh, recessions, like in 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, and even comparing it back to the Great Depression, and what happened after those time frames. See, you know, after 1992, 93, 94, we've had a real estate boom from 94, 95, all the way up to 2006, 2007. And people made absolute fortunes during that time. Now, in this interview, you'll see that Mr. Quist will talk about how it's different. Um, he'll talk about um, market cycles. He'll compare uh, the current market with these other uh, real estate uh, recessions that we had in our in our past history. Um, he'll give tips and he'll talk about his new book. But I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Mr. H.L. Uh, Quist. Um, not only does he has he been teaching real estate um, at colleges across the country for 18 years, um, he's also predicted since 1987 every major real estate uh, downturn. And he advises people through his newsletter what to do. And he has been right on 100% accurate. And, and it's literally, like I said, it, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to see how accurate he has, uh, ha has done. And he has you know, thousands of people that, that follow him um, in what he has done. But we have, I mean, I've, I've been chasing him down <laughs> uh, to, uh, to get his time. And I am so appreciative for him to... Um, to be able to uh, you know to spend the time with us today, but um, he has traded commodities. He um, he gives stock market recommendations within the stock market. Um, he also um, is uh, was as a developer. He actually is uh, bought properties and uh, land and entitled it and sold it and uh, developed those uh, different. So he has a broad knowledge. Um, when it comes to real estate, when it comes to markets, um, and uh, he's also a historian. He uh, he's uh, his studies is in uh, past history, and so to have him uh, spend his time with us um, is uh, is truly exciting. And it'll basically after you're done listening to this um, this interview, it's I mean it, it almost I mean I just want to you know, go do more, I guess, and be more, buy more real estate because we are in a window right now. We have, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity that we are sitting here right now. And when you listen to him explain this window that we're in, you know, you'll be amazed, you know, and, uh, and that's what I am, you know, excited about for you to listen to him today, but he's going to
to talk about you know the current market data and where we're at and where we are in the uh, the market cycle. So um, I will uh, see you on the next side, um, and you will get to hear this interview with Mr. H. L. Buster Quist and uh, and uh, learn uh, the depth of his information on his predictions where we'll be in the next three, five, seven, and ten years. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the next side. All right. Uh, I have an incredible interview for you today. I'm so excited to uh, to share with you folks, and it's uh, with a gentleman by the name of Mr. H.L. Buster Quist. And uh, first off, Mr. Quist, I'd like to thank you so much for taking your valuable time and uh, spend uh, time with us here on this uh, interview. I greatly appreciate it. John, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your folks. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm extremely excited about this. And I can tell you, um, I'd like to start off first off on the, uh, the aftermath of greed. And, uh, you know, first off, um, I, I bought that book. I think it was almost about a year or so ago, and I devoured it in a matter of, I think, one sitting. I read the entire thing, and I, I was literally blown away. And, you know, some of the predictions that you've, um, you know, stated in your, your Greenspan plan and, and some of the other, other things are, you know, are amazing. And actually, uh, w- one of them was talked about the, uh, the onset of the recession, and uh, you nailed that pretty much on the head, didn't you? Well, yeah. I, in fact, I was holding. You know, I taught. I've taught uh, real estate uh, CE classes for 18 years now, mm-hmm. and uh, the class that I, the school that I was working with, uh, we put on a series of uh, seminars in July of 2005, if you can believe it. Uh, and what I, what the problem that realtors was ha- were having then was that they couldn't keep a listing. I mean, you know, right. get a listing, in three days it'd be sold. And so I came up with this uh, idea and this program for particularly aimed at realtors is to go to people that, you know, had large homes here in Scottsdale PV and so forth and uh, encourage them to put them on the market, take advantage of their $500,000 tax-free money, and uh, downsize. So my program was Downsize Now and Securitize Your Future, and basically, I said this market is going to collapse, and uh, there's a lot of people out there in their 60s and 70s that have a lot of net worth, but they don't have investable cash, liquid assets that will produce an income that they're going to need in the future. And uh, it fell flat. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know, honestly, I mean that that was a brilliant, brilliant call, actually. Um, at the time, we owned 120 rental properties during that same period of time, and uh, and we 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 accumulated between 2003, 2004, and early 2005, and we actually sold the entire portfolio between May and November of, uh, oh of 2005, and it's un- unbelievable. But you also made another prediction, and, and I'm going to tell you these predictions are, are um, you know amazingly accurate. Another one, you said that the stock market would decline between 10 and 30 percent. You know, and then you look back at you know March of two, eight of two thousand nine. We actually hit sixty five forty seven, which is probably what the you know lowest we've seen in a long time. But I mean, how did you nail that on the head? Well, I've been you know I've been involved in the markets all my career. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, early, very early, uh, early in my career, I owned quite a bit of real estate, rental properties, and uh, vacant land, and so forth. 
but I was also very active uh, in the markets, uh, particularly as a trader and trading for my own account. So, really? you know, I was in my 20s and I was uh, actively trading in all the markets, including commodities. And the commodity story I tell in my second in my second book is will blow most people away. You know where you can you, I uh, pyramided seven thousand dollars into a quarter of a million dollars in three months. You know in wow. the commodity was that on, market. Uh, was that on gold or was that like on? Coffee no, that gold? was that was in cotton of all things. Really? Yeah, and of course a quarter of a million in nineteen sixty seven sixty eight time period. You know it's worth about a million dollars today. Right. So you know that was uh, so I got. A lot of first-hand experience, and uh, but you know, I made a made it a point after the 1990 crash in real estate is to find out what in the heck causes these boom and bust cycles. Did a tremendous amount of research and reading, and and of course, with my uh, personal knowledge and experience, I uh, put the two together, and that's of course I put in that book because I felt that that background and that history would be invaluable to people whether they're in the real estate business or investing for their own account or, you know, just for planning ahead. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, like I said, I read that book and I, I was um, to understand what has really happened during this, you know, this aftermath of greed of what's happened has just been amazing. And then you actually did a prediction that the government would come in and, and, and do massive bailouts and take over Fannie and Freddie. And like I said, it's so scary, you know, it's scarily accurate of, of what these predictions that you have done and how they amazingly have come so true. Um, you know, it's like, it's, I mean, do you have like a crystal ball that we just don't have or is it just, is it just no, the depth no, of well, knowledge? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, you know, think I'm a, a visionary or a yeah. futurist. Uh, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I base it all on fundamental knowledge too. Um, you know, I told my real estate classes in, in 2004 that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, I called them the evil twins, right. uh, would fail. And, of course, uh, you know, everybody was raising their eyebrows and, uh, you know, of course, didn't believe what I had to say. But right. what I knew, of course, then was that they were cooking the books. And I knew that uh, they had a scheme going on between, you know, countrywide and, and Congress was mandating the quotas for uh, lending in the uh, to people who couldn't either afford or pay back the loans. And, you know, I pretty well sized that up. And, and uh uh, Reigns was paying himself at Fannie Mae his huge bonuses based on fraudulent numbers. So, you know, I felt that it was just a matter of time before that whole cr thing cratered. Right. Well, well you, you pretty much nailed that on the head as well. So, and you know, and, and it was funny. I was um, I was reading an article uh, from Mason Walker at John Hopkins University. He was talking about market cycles, uh, which I'd like to you know to get into and see how this whole you know prediction thing and, and what you've um, you know shared in your books and uh, and then bring it back to uh, to where we are right now is that you know when we talk about market cycles, he was in this article he was saying that there's you know there's expansion which we we, we saw and then there's hyper supply which we definitely saw in 2005 when home builders were building like crazy and and uh, selling houses on auction and then and then after the hyper supply they, they there's a recession um, and then after recession they have recovery and then it goes back around again to expansion hyper supply and, re and uh, recession recovery and it continues through this uh, cyclical process so so we are right but now, it is di but it is different this time Sean oh it is different <laughs> well it is different because of a lot of reasons but right. I mean I I you, one of my forecasts that was uh, was wrong is that I thought that the market would have been recovered by now. Right. 
but when I discovered the the depth and the extent that uh, Goldman and some of these other people on Wall Street had created these uh, credit default swaps and so forth, and and what I call avatars, they created uh, they created these this tremendous leverage with. Uh, uh, derivatives that uh, on assets that didn't even exist. Right. I mean, I mean, there weren't any underlying mortgages or borrowers or anything on the uh, on these uh, swaps that they created and these uh, derivatives that they created. So it had to it had to collapse. Right. And uh, so so if if we take a look at you know th- that and it might be different. So how would you relate? You know, or I guess what what are the similarities and, and differences between you know this typical recession? I mean, this recession and recession of you know say the early eight late eighties and uh, early nineties. I mean, how how what is the difference between those? Well, you know, one thing that's real interesting for our audience is that you know when you look at the I was heavily involved in development right. during the eighties and in eighty nine, of course. Uh, uh, the market, the real estate market collapsed. And what led to that, and it, you know, people don't remember this, and I didn't know it at the time, but my research to bore it out, is that what what really propelled the real estate development, particularly in the commercial end of the business in the mid-80s, was the uh, uh, the bankers, the worldwide bankers, got, to, got together at the uh, Plaza Hotel in New York, right. and they concluded that the dollar was too strong. Remember, interest rates were very high, junk bonds were popular, financing was 14 and 15%, and of course, for that, there was a strong dollar. Right. So they agreed to devalue the dollar, you know, and we were in the midst of, of developing this project, and we were having a hard time finding money. And uh, for land acquisition, and uh, uh, lo and behold, the bankers that had turned us down came walking in the door, say, "Hey, you know that loan that we we uh, rejected here about a year ago? Well, we're in a position to uh, talk to you about that." So uh, that propelled the commercial end of the market just tremendously. To, from that Plaza Accord was in 1985, mm-hmm. but by 1987, the bankers concluded that the dollar was too weak. And so they reversed it, and of course, the first thing that happened was that the stock market collapsed in October of '87, right. and that ultimately led to the real estate to collapse, and uh, uh, because there was an overbuilt situation as far as the uh, commercial end of the business was concerned. So, what's going on at the you know at the at the at the fiscal and monetary level and the global banking area uh, is very critical for our markets on a local basis. Right, so 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 basically, in the in the late eighties to the to the mid nineties, there. I mean, what happened was there was obviously a massive. The RTC came over and and uh, and and had to liquidate properties for pennies on the dollar, you know. And then um, and then at that time, but th- there were people that took advantage of that opportunity. I mean, look at Robert Sarver, who owns the uh, the the Suns. I mean, he sure. he bought land in Tucson, you know, for pennies on the dollar from the RTC. He entitled it. He uh, split it into lots and sold it to home builders. And during that the boom that came after that and it made a fortune and you know Alta he owns banks obviously and eventually owns the sons but but you know so so now during that that period of time what happened after you know like 1993 94 95 96 was that the expansion time frame that that uh, and then we led to a well certainly you know what what the reason why the market the real estate market bounced back so quickly after that you know i mean it was devastating when fireia was uh, was enacted in eight, in 1989 right. i mean 
mean, it just dissolved every savings and loan in the country. Wow. They closed every SNL. But here's what was different, in my opinion, is the resolution trust everybody, you know, badmouthed it and everything else. But what happened is they took they took control of all these properties. They wrote them all down. You know, the developers went bankrupt and everybody, you know, they cleaned up within about two or three year period. They were able to turn that market around because debt had been dissolved and it, it, you know, had been written down and written off. Right. And then they liquidated the properties to strong, strong hands like Sarver and others that bought the properties from the uh, RTC. And I, I forecast, I told a 1993 group, a real estate group that mm -hmm. get ready for the coming boom in real estate. Really? And because I knew Firea had expired, banks were not able to make loans, real estate loans for three years under Firea. And of course, that expired in nineteen in January nineteen ninety three, and uh, I could see all the other things falling into place. And of course, that was the beginning of the longest and most uh, you know most appreciation in real estate in American history, from ninety three, of course, to two thousand seven. Right. So so yeah, because the banks loosened their credit standards, and people could get financing pretty much anywhere. Which you know, if you have available money in the marketplace, then it becomes you know easy to buy real estate. And and uh, then it got a little too loose, obviously, in two thousand four and two thousand five, where they came up with these uh, crazy loans that they did, you know, and uh, which 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 fueled this market. But now now let's look at that. So 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 basically, there was you know during the RTC, it was it was terrible. I mean, people were you know it was. It was probably the worst of the worst. You know, everyone thought that you know real estate was the place not to be. And then after that period of time, um, people that had a vision like yourself and, and others that turned around and 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 was able to position themselves could capitalize on the upcoming boom that happened. Um, you know, through the next you know handful of years. Now let, let's look back at say the Great Depression during that time frame. What you know, uh, I know that's going a ways back, but what happened? You know, during the Great Depression. Obviously, there was uh, you know is, is a tragic time. But what happened in the years after the Great Depression? Well, of course, you get you know that was kind of an anomaly because I talk a lot about that in my second book, mm -hmm. uh, which apparently you haven't read, which is how to profit from the coming inflationary boom. Yeah, and I actually uh, have it right here. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay, about I that. see. Okay, uh, and you, you know what people don't remember about the recession is that. You know, the government got involved and it confiscated the gold and so forth, and they revalued the gold, and they started all of these OPA the, and the Works Progress Administration and so forth. They created all this stimulus, uh -huh. which, which we're going through right now, and it worked for a short time. Unemployment went from 25% down to 15% uh, by 1936, but by 1938, a second recession, a recession within the depression began, hmm. and that people don't remember. And the stock market then absolutely plunged. The Dow Jones lost 90% of its value from the top in 1929, and things were looking dismal. And I, I have that famous quote by Henry Morgenthau, who was the Secretary of the Treasury in, in, in the in the Roosevelt administration. He said, "Here we've borrowed all this money, we've spent all this money, we've created all this federal debt." And it hasn't done any good. <laughs> that sounds familiar. And of course, that's kind of where we are right now. But wow. of course, what bailed out uh, the administration and uh, Keynesian economics in that period was, of course, the Second World War. Right.
Right. So 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 after that point, when when went all through that, there was a boom after that Great Depression, I assume. Well, you know, and there's another there's another strange fact there too, uh, Sean, that mm-hmm. people don't remember, of course, and I. I was alive at this time, and and I wrote it in my in a family history. I wrote a because um, I am a historian by 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 background and education, and uh, what people thought that after the war ended and all the GIs were coming home, these are millions and millions of people in uniform mm-hmm. coming home. Everybody thought, well, the bankers thought that uh, we'd go into another depression because all these people would be coming home looking for work, and the work wouldn't be there. Right, <laughs> but that was the I have so many friends that went into the into the building business in 1945-1946 and there was such a demand for housing all these GIs coming home were wanting to raise families they it, there was a shortage of material there was a shortage of homes they were living in uh you know almost intense and of course that's when these uh, what was that famous project in uh, New Jersey uh, yes. There was the first uh, mass uh, marketing of homes and mass building. I've forgotten the name right now. But, uh, I mean, homes were selling for $800 and $1,000 after World War II. And, of course, that was the beginning of tremendous expansion. <clears throat> but there was an awful lot of people that felt that uh, the, the economy was going to fail again. Right. Right. So, so, so now we, we we take that information back from you know these these two previous recessions. We know this is uh, you know obviously different in its own unique way. Um, and then we look at and then we come back to you know now now your book, which is how to profit from the coming inflationary boom. Now, how does that? Um, you know, tie into where we are right now. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you saw last week's data. It says, you know, the housing data, 27% decline, which is a record sure, decline I I got, yeah. mm-hmm. in July. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, uh, now I was expecting some sort of decline in July, July obviously, because the June, um, you know, tax credit expired there um, for the... Um, for the taxpayers there, but I mean, you look at that, you know, and you look at the decline in there. You look at the, you know, the four million, you know, uh, of inventory, one year supply of inventory on the market, mm-hmm. you know, of, of that, and then you have the shadow inventory that's kind of hanging over. So that that's one side of the spectrum. Then you have, you know, four and a half percent interest rates, and you have affordable housing on the other side of the spectrum. So you know, you look at where we're at right now, and we're going, okay, if we're in the, you know, if, if we've done the expansion, we did the hyper supply we're in the recession you know if a, if a recession was a timeline of say a you know a, a, a year one to ten you know where would we fall in that recession timeline would, would we be at you know four or five you know going in, in that recession timeline or are we in the six to seven in that recession timeline would you say well what what why it's different this time mm-hmm. is uh, let's take that 1990 period in the early 90s is that that debt was written down and written off? Gotcha. You know, and and the supply and demand factors. I mean, the uh, properties that were purchased by Sarver and others, they they were in strong hands. Right. And of course, these folks were uh, confident that the market would turn around. Uh, they weren't risk adverse like people are today. And they, you know, they bought these multifamily. I can remember buying these units out on the west side. These new apartments had only been up a couple years. Uh, for ten thousand dollars a unit, wow! You, you know that had previous to the to the crash had sold for you know like thirty some thousand dollars a unit. But anyway, 
that enabled the fact that all that debt was written down and written off and the property was in strong hands that could afford to wait wait out the uh, you know the recovery right. uh, made a big change because what today what we're dealing with is this massive overhang not only of inventory but debt and people are risk adverse that's the big psychological change because you know people are saying over and over again I don't think this thing is going to get better right. I don't think home market's going to come back for years and years and years and one reason why that's true is the massive amount of federal debt and and uh, of course high unemployment but we've been through that before but it's the fact that this was not written down I mean uh, I, I envisioned a, a you know to deal with this problem a residential resolution corp mm-hmm. instead of you know the the RTC have it a residential uh, and that's what made the commercial market buy rebound so so quickly in 1991 92 93 is that uh, you, all these commercial properties were in an overhang on the market right they wrote because they were in strong hands and and uh, uh, today we don't have that we don't have that existing at all and uh, you know I speculated that there was a lot big rumor that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, would be involved in in uh, 15 million mortgages. They would be paying down and offering just pay down mm-hmm. of the mortgages equal to what the market value was of the 15 million dollar 15 million mortgages that that they had that were underwater. And uh, uh, there's all kinds of speculation, and no decision is going to be made until January. Right. But uh, it is different today than it was. I'm, my forecast for rebound. Uh, I, I forecast in March of 2009 that we were on our, our there, there was going to be a turnaround, mm-hmm. and it certainly was in the equity markets and in the commodity markets, but a real estate had still this massive overhang that uh, it couldn't deal with. Um, and in May of this year, I reversed my position, mm-hmm. and I said that the markets were going to go south and that uh, had my investors liquidate uh, their equity positions in U.S. equities. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so, I, I, you know, I'm writing a newsletter, monthly newsletter, and sure. I'm advising people what to, to do as far as the markets are concerned. So uh, we're, we're in real limbo right now. We mm-hmm. don't know uh, where this thing is going. And uh, I, gave, uh, I gave a talk the other day, and I said, well, there's really three options. Uh, we know we know one thing for certain that Ben Bernanke and the Federal Reserve Board are going to do everything within their power to uh, prevent a depression, the 1930s depression, and so we we have to factor that into our assumptions, and that means quantitative easing, or they're going to print as much money as needed, and the Fed's going to buy as many assets uh, as possible. Uh, and of course, they basically have an un, un, unlimited supply of money because they created out of thin air. Right. But that's what's coming, in my opinion. That's what's coming is quantitative easing, and usually, what results from that is massive inflation. Hmm. And so in the devaluation of the dollar, which would create massive inflation. Right. So, so let's talk about that real quick. Okay. Let's say this theory holds true okay and we do have the mass inflation the government comes in and steps in and does whatever they're going to do to magically create uh, um, a supply and demand in the uh, in the housing market and let's say theoretically it's you know it's uh, 
you know, to mid 2011. What does the or whatever 2012 or 2000, whatever that is, and for time frame, what does our world look like? I mean, you know, what are gold prices instead of 1240 today? What are, what are gold prices in in this inflationary environment? Well, you know, people say, well, you can't have inflation with high unemployment. Oh, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. And, of course, what, what I impress upon uh, my audiences, and particularly realtors and real estate investors, mm -hmm. is that you can have asset inflation without wage and price inflation. Mm -hmm. In other words, the goal of the Federal Reserve and of the, of the poli uh, politicians today is that they want asset prices to rise, particularly real estate. Mm-hmm. And if you devalue the dollar, the offset to that is an increase in asset prices. Right. And that would be commodities, that would be stocks, and that would be real estate. Uh, so that is the scheme, is to the federal government is going to try to inflate their way out of this problem because debt is a constant. If you have a $100,000 mortgage on your house, mm -hmm. uh, the only variable is, is the market value of that house. And they can increase the market value by cheapening the value of the dollar. And a lot of people can't see that simple equation, but that's that's the game plan and that's the strategy that uh, the politician and the bankers are going to use. Okay, so in this world of of, of devaluing the dollar and, and having this inflationary boom, um, we obviously see house prices increase, just like you're talking about commodities is in, in, increase. So so if if that's the case, if that's the way we're going to you know get out of this, whether they write down a ton of uh, debt or they you know inflate us out of this out of this mess. Um, in any case, from a real estate investment perspective, um, to be able to buy properties today in in this in this window of opportunity we have to be able to buy cash flow properties or be able to uh, buy and renovate properties or whatever it is you know um, I mean do, do you do you see where where people there be a be, they'd be crazy not to do something like that. I mean, to to look at real estate. You know, if people are on the sidelines and they're going, "Well, should I get in real estate?" It is uncertain, you know. But then you see quotes like from Warren Buffett that says, "You know, you know, be fearful when others are greedy, and then greedy when others are fearful." Fearful. So if you take that in a, in a perspective, everyone's afraid of real estate right now. It is uncertain, but you do have low interest rates. You do have, you know, properties that are you know at the lowest levels they've you know they've ever seen, and and then you look at that and go. So, you know, why not buy, be able to buy real estate that we know potentially it's going to inflate down the road? As long as it can cash flow and it can sustain itself, you know, then that would be a sound investment. Would you agree? Well, I think that one, one real critical factor in, in, in all markets, you know, there's, there's, there's three things that move markets. And that's what the Federal Reserve does, obviously, the, mm -hmm. the aspect of money. And, and two, what Congress does in the way of legislation. But the third element is sentiment. Sentiment. And public sentiment, as you put your finger right on it, is that there's a lot of fear out there. People mm -hmm. are risk adverse. But you know there's something else that's happening that, that I got a real good uh, – I kind of had an epiphany as I was touring real estate and looking at real estate up in the um, – uh, up in Montana, you know, up right. in near where Iron Horse, which is one of the most upscale, this is Whitefish, uh, Montana, Whitefish Lake, and in the Kalispell area, and you know these the people from Silicon Valley came in there and in California and built these massive McMansions up there at Iron Horse, right. 
you know, five million, ten million, fifteen million dollar. I mean, these are summer homes, you know, ski cabins. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But you know what? What's happening here, Sean? That I think that maybe that help our audience is, is from a different perspective is sure. that what we're seeing now is the end. I called it the end of the age of opulence. People, when they're looking at residential property now and other assets, they're going to be looking for value. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage, as I did in this book that you, you know, the yeah. yellow book there, the profit book, right. is that that if people are looking for a home and they're going to raise their family there and they're not thinking in terms of what the investment aspect of this, this is a wonderful time to secure that real estate at, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent below what the perceived value was. Right. Uh, so that's one, I think that's one area, one market, you know, the actual, the user, uh, the buyer, and of course, whether it's investor owned is immaterial. I mean, that's an opportunity, and I think that market is going to expand. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that, I think we're going into a new era. But this inflation situation is 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 a big unknown, because I always have said that in early stages of an inflationary cycle, like we saw in '76, '77, '78, boy, you made money in everything. Right. Uh, people say, well, you can't. If real estate prices are not going to rise if interest rates rise. My God, interest rates, 30-year fixed rates in in 1976 were like eight percent. They went to 17 percent in four years. Right. But that didn't deter people from buying residential or commercial real estate. Right. And people saw that, you know, there's two things that are going to change this picture. One is loss of confidence in the government and loss of confidence in the currency. And we're on the cusp of that happening. Hmm. There's certainly been a lot of confidence lost in this administration, just as there was in Jimmy Carter in the 77s, whether you're Republican or Democrat doesn't make any difference. You lose confidence in the way the government's being run and lose confidence in the currency as they keep printing trillions and trillions of dollars of it, then people want to convert the currency to hard assets. And, that's and there's not a better asset. known, a better a better uh, hard asset known to most people than real estate. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, I mean, real estate is a commodity, essentially, right? I mean, you have... You know, you have lumber, and you have you know all the aspects to actually build a property. I mean, the amazing thing is we're buying properties today in this market that are um, back to 1998 prices. I mean, of course, it's, of course. it's, it's yeah. amazing to see. You know, and it's funny. It's talking to some you know some of these uh, the, the sellers, and they're going, "Well, wait a minute." I bought it for more than that in 19, you know, 98, mm-hmm. 97. Sure. <laughs> and I go, sure. well, hey, this is what is happening in this marketplace right now. So it's almost like a, for me, I, I feel like it's a land grab, you know, uh, again, almost like it was in, you know, 2005, but a land grab, even though we were selling everything, it was a land grab to, you know, to try to, you know, get as many properties, you know, as we possibly can that will cash flow, that will be, um, you know, good deals, obviously, that uh, when the market does come through in 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 it we go through from the recession to the recovery and then we have the you know we, we put the hyperinflation you know wrapped in that as well that um you know that these assets will increase in value you know just from an appreciation standpoint but I'll just you know from a cash flow standpoint as well I told people I told the real estate audience uh, a couple of weeks ago I said if you're buying 
real estate as you're doing right now, have an end goal in mind. Hmm. Because if we, in one chapter I devote entirely in the new book to hyperinflation. Right. Because the, the American citizens know absolutely nothing about hyperinflation. If you were Brazilian, or if you were Argentinian, or if you were Mexican, and you'd lived through that in the 80s of 10,000% inflation in a year, you would understand what hyperinflation is. But since Americans don't know, they need to educate themselves because this inflation, a little inflation would be good. A lot of inflation would be terrible. Right. And if, if, you're buying, if you're buying homes like you're doing right now or buying real estate so forth, have that goal in mind because you need an exit strategy. All hyperinflations end up in a, the bubble bursting and a terrible deflation will follow a, uh, uh, an inflationary cycle that morphs into hyperinflation. So I don't know whether this is a year, two years, three years. We, we don't know. We mm -hmm. don't know what the timing is. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that, that in 2011 we're going to see inflation start to uh, take off and in the first uh, maybe a year, it, it will be very beneficial to all the markets as the dollar devalues. But where we go from there is, is it, it requires whether, whether or not the banks are really going to get involved in financing investors, in, in, in doing real estate financing. That's the key to inflation uh, being, you know, taking off and being, in, in, this, in this instance, successful is you need that financial medium uh, that is the source of, of course, the, uh, the inflation. So that, and that's the, basically the core of your book on how to profit from the, up, the coming inflationary boom and avoid right. the next crash. So, so in that book, um, it, it gives some specific tips. You could tell our listeners that some specific tips that they, they can be able to capitalize. Um, and I'm going to have links in the, uh, in, on, on our blog at flip2freedom.com, you know, you know, back to your, uh, back to your website at the, um, the aftermath of greed updates and, and, okay. the, in, in that, and I'll do that. But, um, you know, what, what's some specific, you know, some, some tips that you would give of how, how can someone capitalize on, on that, you know, right now, if they're, if they're kind of maybe looking at the real estate market or looking at the market in general, they are fearful and they are sitting there going, okay, well, what do I do? Well, you know, should they just sit on the sidelines and kind of just see how everything plays out with the elections coming up and all this type of stuff? Or should they, you know, should they actually get involved um, and, you know, start doing some research and start, you know, maybe looking at different investment opportunities? What would you suggest? Well, I just, I favor, as I said a little earlier, I mm -hmm. favor the fact that they're going to, uh, I'm going to follow Bernanke's lead. You know, I always watch what they do, not what they say. Right. But I, I believe that they're going to provide as much uh, equity and liquidity into this market as necessary to keep the banks from folding and to keep the economy going. Uh, and uh, I, I feel that if if that's if, if you take that assumption, if you take that premise, mm -hmm. then we're at or near the bottom. Hmm. Certainly, the election is a factor, uh, but you know when 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 these when these wealthy investors came in and bought real estate from the RTC in 1990, 91, 92 time period, uh, they didn't know there was no guarantee that the market was going to improve. I mean, they were buying they were buying uh, multifamily, they were buying commercial properties, they they were buying shopping centers out in Gilbert in which they didn't have a single tenant. Right. 
You know, I mean, you talk about uh, potential downside, but I, I feel that, you know, if people are, are liquid enough and have a reserve, I spoke to two real estate groups in, uh, in, uh, in the um, uh, Silicon Valley uh, this earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if you've got the reserve uh, and you've got a full understanding of what the risk is, sure, it's a great time to buy real estate. And as it's proven to be out in Cupertino, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> the real estate market has turned around out there, you know, so there wasn't that much risk out there in me saying that. Uh, but, I mean, that's true here also. Right. I believe, I believe, Sean, that there is going to be some major announcement coming from this administration on, on addressing the residential real estate market. I just... You know, all the rumors that are, I I can see a new entity, a a resolution trust Hmm. entity being formed to buy up these mortgages because, you know, it is, there is enormous overhang. That's what makes this market different than any that we've been through in the past. So so it could be this Homeowner Debt Forgiveness Act that there, that's like been flowing around. That could be that. They could be a new entity like the RTC that would buy up mortgages. Uh, There are just a tremendous amount of banks that still are carrying you know, residential mortgages, and, mm-hmm. and of course, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. There's a major article in Barron's this past weekend that they're going to dissolve Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and create a new agency, and I think that that would be the entity that uh, would be buying up these mortgages, or there could be moratoriums. During the Depression, there was a moratorium. Mm-hmm. They couldn't foreclose on homes. They kept people in their homes. They kept people on the farms, you know, so because... The, the the banks couldn't deal with that amount of real estate. They couldn't manage it, and they couldn't deal with it. Right. You know, and, and the thing is, you know, what's amazing is is I deal with a lot of cash uh, buyers that buy properties that we, you know, that don't fit our, our essential, our, our business model for um, our fix and flip or our, our cash flow properties, but they're buying them for either either rental properties for themselves or to fix and flip themselves. Um, and uh, it's funny, it's... The, there is a different mindset of someone that has the amount of liquidity that can purchase, you know, a lot of different properties at this time. They're, they're, they don't want, they want people to be fearful. They, they want people to be scared and not come in and compete with them, you know, at the courthouse steps or at the, um, at the bank, you know, the bank owned homes and stuff. So they can come and get those offers put in to get those properties at, at, at the lower prices. So, you know, when, when I do talk to a lot of these, you know, individuals that are purchasing properties, a lot of properties, you know, they're looking at it going, you know, they, they want to, they want, they want the market to stay kind of like this for a length of time so they can build their inventory levels and uh, and then be able to kind of sit back and, and collect the cash flow. And, you know, and it, it's a different, I guess, different perspective or different mindset from someone that's, you know, maybe working a job or they're looking at the, you know, looking or maybe got laid off from a job and they're going, you know, they're scared because, you know, the, the economy might crash. But, um, you know, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about that? You know, different, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. To see well, what, a contrarian, you know, yeah. I, that's the name of my newsletter, the yeah. contrarian market view. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm 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 always buying when people are, are fearful and, yeah. and you know, and just doing the opposite of what and you know, in the stock market now today, bullish the bullish sentiment is down to twenty percent. Wow. You know, which is unheard of. Right. Uh, so, you know, from a contrarian part, point of view, uh, this is the time to buy stocks. I'm not doing that as yet. I haven't. Uh, I don't have the faith. In Obviously, the election is a big thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Absolutely. And I, I also said in my newsletter that if the Republicans take control of the House, there'll be a big market rally. 
Right. And I think that that will impact, also impact the real estate market. Right. Absolutely. Because business, you know, people with cash now are indecisive because of the political situation. They don't know whether they should invest or not invest. So that's that's uh, that's an overhang that uh, you know that we haven't dealt with in in a long time. That's also present. Right, and that could resolve itself, you know, when this potential announcement or the elections pass or something uh, eventually happens that could, which could eventually spur either a positive or a negative in the market, depending on how the uh, announcement is, um, you know, digested, I guess you could say. Well, yeah, I think that that's an, that's an X factor. Uh, there are a lot of X factors out there that most of them you don't, you don't, or the black swan, as they call them now, right. instead of X factors, they call them black swans, and you know, there's war. There's there's all kinds of things that uh, terrorism attacks and and that type of thing that always present. You know, in, in, in as an as a potential factor that will intercede and, and affect the markets. But uh, uh, you can't live. You can't you can't invest and you can't plan. You know, for, for yeah. Otherwise, to you, you'd be on the sidelines forever. You yeah, know you'd, what never, I mean? if, you'd never you'd never make a de- you'd never every, make a decision. That's yeah, you'd right. never make a decision. You'd be paralyzed by fear and in all that stuff mm-hmm. so all I know is you know from I guess from my perspective and, and hearing from your perspective in, in your books and stuff is that you know I, I'm, I'm excited about this time and I, I know so many people say that you know oh my gosh it's terrible life sucks and, you know we're in a recession but you know you know for every opportunity you know for every for every disaster I guess there's the you know like Napoleon Hill says there's a seed of equivalent benefit you know so finding that is, well, is finding course. properties that are low and interest rates that are low and inventory that is uh that is available but um yeah so for um for your book um how to profit from coming inflation boom how, how can someone get a hold of that um today we you can do it on the website i would uh for our listeners today mm-hmm. the books are twenty dollars a piece okay um but i'll make it available to your your listeners uh for thirty dollars for both books okay wow and if another another so uh, offer I would like to make is that my newsletter is uh, monthly, mm-hmm. and it's ninety nine dollars a year. Okay, and it's got all kinds of market information. There's about uh, thirty or forty stock recommendations for people who are interested in the markets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will make both books free available to them free if they'll sign up for the newsletter. Okay, so let me get that. So you've got both books. You got how to profit from the coming inflationary boom and to avoid the next crash right and Correct. also the aftermath agree get ready for the coming so both of those books um they will get free if they can sign up for the the yearly um your newsletter there which will right. come out monthly is that correct that's correct wow it's, that is uh nine. so you know i, I want to do yeah. that I, I i greatly appreciate it i'm uh well i i think this is you know i appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your and your people and i just think that I've done that in my real estate classes, mm-hmm. and people have just jumped at the opportunity because they know what my track record is. Many of these people have come back now four times, mm-hmm. uh, you know, four or five times for the renewals of their uh, licenses, and they recall, you know, I've, I've since 1987, I've re- forecast every major turn in the market. So, you know, they place a lot of value, and we've had people come to the that did take advantage of my advice in 2005 and 2006 and sold their real estate, and they stand up there and give testimonials. And boy, I tell you, some of them even bring tears to your eyes. Wow. You know, 
I mean, they're powerful. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that impacts someone's you know retirement, their life, their lifestyle, their oh, kids. Oh, people lifestyle. say that 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 by selling their real estate in 2006, that it saved their lives because they were highly leveraged, and you know. And uh, for every one of those, of course, there's there's probably eight or nine that uh, didn't do it out of ten, you know. Yeah, but you know what though is that you've you've established so much credibility, and you've you know you put mm -hmm. some you know great work in your books and in your newsletters though that you know now people can be listening to this today, and they've got two options: they can they can listen right and learn and digest your information and take it to heart, you know, or they can you know say, well, you know, I'll just you know keep doing the comfortable thing. I guess what it is and, and doing what I've been doing but you never know what the results could be you know I mean you never know but you know to have that type of track record to uh, to literally predict every you know market turn since 1987 is uh, I'm, I'm just honored to be on the phone with you to tell you the truth I, I really appreciate it well I, I appreciate the opportunity I just think it's one of those unique this is a unique moment in time in our lives and uh, uh, we just don't know what the future holds but, you know, long-term, you, you can't go wrong in real estate. I mean, you just can't. Right. But you right. got to be in a position, you know, that uh, people know now that uh, deleveraging, uh, the, the, the disaster of deleveraging can be a lot more impact than uh, the advantages of leverage. Right. I mean, we've all learned that now, you know, and, of course, I've known that for a long time. But, uh, you know, the people that uh, are not risk-adverse, this is a fabulous time to acquire real property. Right. Well, great. Well, you know, I've, I think I've taken up too much of your time, so I apologize no, for that. I, but we, we want... could we could talk for hours. Yeah, I know. I, mean, I, I, think, I mean, I, could. I think we've I, made yeah. the, we've made the point that we want to make is that this is this is a unique moment in time, and this change in uh, in, in people's thinking, you know, and looking for value and and looking for functional versus flashy and looking for making rational decisions versus reckless decisions. This is a huge change in sentiment and we ought to apply that change to our marketing plans as far as real estate is concerned. Yeah, in, in 2005, I remember they they were doing seminars to have people buy real estate, you know, and it was okay to have a two or three or four hundred dollar negative cash flow on the property because oh, the property will appreciate, and then you know, guess what? You'll be saved, and everything will be fine. But you know, if you preach cash flow and you have two or three or four hundred or five hundred dollars of cash flow, then guess what? You're insulated from, you know. Now, could the market decrease another twenty, thirty, forty percent? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think it could decrease that much, but I could be wrong. I'm not the prognosticator. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think that that will happen, Sean. I think that the market could just be flat. Mm -hmm. In other words, one of the three scenarios I paint is the fact that we could go through a period of slog. Mm -hmm. That the economy would just kind of limp along, and unemployment would stay at 10 percent, and so forth. But we wouldn't see any market change. You know, the stock market, the commodity market, the real estate market would remain flat mm -hmm. for a prolonged period of time. Um, but I don't see, I, I don't see the full out, you know, 
depression that we saw in the 30s. I just don't see that happening. So almost, almost like a you know what they what they call is a hockey stick recovery. Then right, so you know where where it goes along pretty flat, you know, along this mm-hmm. long period of time stick, and then all of a sudden, you know, either something happens or or whatever, and 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 then we we end up uh, increasing, you know, go up from there, whether it be a pent up demand or or whatever. Well, here's what the bankers think. Here's what Bernanke thinks, and he's an expert on the Depression. Uh They feel that they can deal with inflation, that they can control inflation. I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's what the way they think. They they cannot control, and they cannot, once deflation sets in, Mm -hmm. they're in deep trouble. And so they're going to do everything they can to prevent a deflationary and a further write down of real property values. Mm-hmm. So taking that as our charge, right. we should base our decisions on that premise. Hmm. Very interesting. Words of wisdom. All right, so first, someone's going to find you. Um, they either can Google the aftermath of greed um, updates, and uh, you have a blog that's Well, if you there. put it on your website, I mean, you it's kind of a long yeah. uh, blog site. I mean, yeah, I'll, blog, I'll put a link on my website, or if they, they want to uh, Google that, they can get there. And you actually But it's some... to take advantage of this special, uh, yeah. they'll have to email me, because okay. if you go through my publisher, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, they won't be able to make a deal. So um, this deal that I, it's in, as far as the discount on the books are concerned, uh, that has to come through me. So Let's just use my email address, which is hlquist at cox.net. H-L-Q-U-I-S-T at cox.net. I'll put that on the uh, site as well. Okay, so email you at hlquist at At cox.net, and you will get both books, the How to Profit from the Coming Inflationary Boom and the Aftermath of Greed, um, and also, to the monthly newsletter for $99, you get both of those if you email Mr. Quist at hlquist at cox.net. Well, that's great. Well, I, th- I want to, again, thank you very, very much for your time. Your information and insight has been uh, priceless, and uh, I am, am so excited to uh, you know keep reading your books and your information and keeping updated on your blog and stuff. So, again, I definitely appreciate your time uh, this afternoon. Okay, and let's do let's do a follow up, sure. and uh, let's you and I at least uh, follow up with uh, each other, and uh, as this uh, market plays out, I will do. Love to uh, love right. to do a call back. Thanks for your time, okay. and uh, and You're take welcome. care. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. All right, I hope you liked that interview. Wow, that was uh, that was awesome. So just to recap, real quick. Um, he has, uh, you can get both of his books. Now, I, I'll have a link on the website at flip to the number two freedom.com. That's flip to freedom.com. But I'll have links on the website, um, to his, uh, to his website along with the, his email address if you want to request his, you know, annual, um, newsletter for $99. Plus, you'll get both those books, um, how to profit from the coming inflationary boom and how to avoid the next crash and also the aftermath of greed. So, Awesome. 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 Now I want to leave you, you know, if you're excited, you want to get involved in real estate. Now, don't forget you, you, I I wrote a 129 page book that you can download for free at flip to freedom.com. That's flip the number two freedom.com. Just go to the website. You'll see a, a video of me. Just put your email address in the box and I will email you a link, a special link to this report. 
And it goes in depth on how to capitalize on this current market right now and set yourself up financially for the rest of your life. Um, it's flip2freedom.com. Now, I want to leave you with this quote. If you're excited, you want to get involved in real estate, you just don't really know how to do it, I, I would first say, you know, go read the book. Listen to the past uh, iTunes episodes, the past uh, podcast episodes I have on the site there. But I found this quote. It's from a Chinese educator that was born in 1884. He's a writer, philosopher, and a diplomat. He's wrote some books. Tai Hashi. And he has this quote that goes like this. Action will remove the doubt that theory cannot solve. Now, I love that quote because action is the number one ingredient for success. You can theorize about it. You can listen to the information. You can read the books and listen to webinars and jump from one exciting uh, program after another and, and get wrapped up in this. But the bottom line is action is what it takes. And what happens is people have fear to act. They have fear of, of what's going to happen. You know, I don't know. And, and, and they project into the future uh, these things that uh, these potential problems or obstacles that might come up. Um, you know, what am I supposed to say to the seller? What if he does this? And what if he does that? What if he knows I don't have any money? What are the, all these different things that, that people project into the future um, that blocks them from actually taking action. But guess what? Taking action, that action alone will remove the doubt in, you know, that theory cannot solve. And see, that's why I love it. America, because we have the ability to go out and take action on our dreams and by seeing it and we can believe it and we can go out and we can put forth the effort. You know, if I, um, if I, you know, go out and, and I, I look at an action, you know, uh, or if I'm going to have to have to go do something. I remember the first time when I spoke in front of a thousand people um, when I, uh, did, uh, sales training for, um, for the previous company I worked with. And, and, uh, yeah, I was you know, nervous. I, I never, ever spoke in front of that many people. I was down in, uh, Florida and there was a thousand people in this room. You know how intimidating it is when you walk in and there's a thousand people and I'm the new guy. They hooked me up with a mic and they said, okay, you're up in five minutes. I remember I walked into the bathroom. And I um, was sweating. My palms were sweating. I was shaking. You know, you know, my throat was dry. My my eyes were like almost glazed over in in you know of of just the adrenaline of fear that was going through me of 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 myself projecting into the future what could happen. What if I pass out? <laughs> what if I say something stupid? What if I trip when I go upstage? What, you know, what, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And finally, I just stopped. I looked at myself, and the quote from Wall Street came up. And I, I don't know what exactly what it is, but Bud Fox, he looks in the mirror before he goes in and sits down with uh, Gordon Gecko for the first time. And he goes, life comes down only a few moments in life. And this is one of them. And that's why I said, you know what? Life comes down to only a few moments. And, and don't quote me exactly, because I don't know if that's exactly it, but it comes down to a few moments when you're challenged. And then guess what? He buttoned up his tie, he 
He closed his jacket, he swallowed, and he walked in the Gordon Gecko's office, and he sat down, and he did his pitch. Now, it wasn't perfect, but guess what? He did it. That's what I did. I was sitting in the bathroom looking at myself in the mirror that day, sweating, fearful, and I said to myself, life comes down only a few moments, and this is one of them. I buttoned up my tie, I you know, put on my jacket, and I walked out of that bathroom with a new, refreshed attitude. Instead of being fearful and projecting thoughts of fear, I started going, you know what, I'm going to kick butt. I'm, I'm going to crank this thing out. I'm going to rock the house. That's what I said, walking out of that bathroom. Because you know what, only, life comes only down to a few moments in life. we got to take advantage of it. And this might be your moment. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe or maybe not. I know it's a big moment that we can take advantage and, like I said, set our family up for the rest of our lives. And I walked out on that stage and literally I cranked it. I mean, I, 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 I surprised myself on the, uh, not how good I did, because I'm not, you know, from an ego standpoint, but I'm saying is that the response from the crowd was amazing. I'm standing ovation, um, and, and it was amazing. And it was just being real and being nervous and, 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 uh, and, and just doing the best I can. I can also tell you exactly what I did, too, before I walked up on that stage. I asked God for help. And I asked him to direct my thoughts and uh, help me do the best I can do. Because like I said in the last couple episodes, it's very difficult to do big things by yourself. If you have a helping hand, it, it, it's always better. So anyways, that is it for this podcast. I hope you absolutely loved it. Go to flip2freedom.com, download the book, and you know what? Read it. Just don't download it and have it sit on your computer. Read it because I know you'll love it. And you can take the information, you can apply it tomorrow, and you can start getting results and uh, like I said, what if you just do a couple deals a year? You make an extra ten, twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars a year. Would that make a difference in your life? All right. Until next episode, I wish you ultimate success in your real estate investing career, and take care. And God bless.